0: The most important lessons is that adding a little bit of creativity, you can uh, you can share 99% of the concepts. Creativity in how to to communicate the the idea. I think flash statistic go, goes together with creativity.
1: What's up everyone? Welcome to another episode of The Artists of Data Science. Be sure to follow the show on Instagram at The Artists of Data Science and on Twitter at Artists of Data. I'll be sharing awesome tips and wisdom on data science as well as clips from the show. Join the free open mastermind Slack channel by going to bit.ly.com forward slash Artists of Data Science where I'll keep you updated on bi-weekly open office hours that I'll be hosting for the community. I'm your host, Harpreet Sahota. Let's ride this beat out into another awesome episode. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Guest today is a statistician and data scientist based out of Monza, Italy. He's earned a bachelor's and master's degree in mathematical engineering and machine learning, as well as a master's degree in mathematics and cryptography. Since 2016, he's been part of an organization called Quantica, where he works with data covering every part of the data lifecycle, from ingestion, storage, analytics, web applications, cloud storage, and beyond. He started at Quantica as a junior business intelligence consultant and climbed his way up the ranks to become lead data scientist and is now responsible for projects involving data analytics in general and machine learning with a focus on models and on the industrialization aspect of the work. When he's not doing data science, he's out there running 10 Ks and marathons juggling and traveling. However, you may recognize him from the work he's done as flash statistics, where since September, 2017, he's created over 50 amazing artistic graphics, taking his audience on a painted journey across statistics. So please help me in welcoming our, our guest today, a true artist in data science, Marco Andreoni. Marco, my man, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be here today, man. I really, really appreciate it.
0: Hello, hello, everybody. Hello, our friend. <laughs> Nice to meet you. Thank you for this opportunity
1: to be here. Oh man, no, it's my pleasure, man. I remember when I first started becoming active on LinkedIn, and I was seeing your uh, your paintings come up quite often. I was like, man, this is really cool how you're just distilling these concepts down into such beautiful works of art, man. It was really really cool to see. I think you you know your work has inspired a lot of other people to to learn statistics and create these type of graphics themselves. Let's take let's take us back kind of to the beginning. You know, talk to us about your journey, how you first got interested in statistics, machine learning, data science, what drew you to the field?
0: To be honest, uh, uh, when I started my university studies at uh, Politecnico of Milan uh, in uh, 2011, uh, I didn't even know statistics. I have to be honest. I've always been good at math. That's why I have chosen uh, mathematical engineering. So simple. Luckily, during, during the five years of, the, of my university, the first uh, three years and then the last two years, I was was uh, really lucky. I had the opportunity to meet amazing professors. They shared their knowledge with me and they turned me on onto statistics. And that's simply why I've chosen my, measure, my master's degree in applied statistics. Really, I wish you meet a person like them on your way because uh, they, are, they are able to explain complex ideas so easily and to share passion about their job. So that's where everything started.
1: And we all have those teachers that really just inspire us to pursue some, you know, path of study. So it's that's really cool that you had that experience. So I'm interested in about in, in about cryptography. Uh, that's something I've, I've heard about. You know, maybe I've seen it on like on on some movie. I think there's a movie with like. Alan Turing or something I don't know if that dealt with cryptography or not, but uh, it's something I've heard about, but I have no clue what it is. Can you give us an overview of what cryptography is?
0: Let's try to put it simple in few words, you can say that cryptography is a tool to mask to protect a message between a sender and a receiver. okay So imagine uh, you want to write me a message. And obviously, you don't want anyone else to read uh, this message, okay? So you want to hide your message to protect it. And that's in few words, okay? Maybe the most famous and most ancient example of cryptography is the Caesar cipher. I don't know if you you know it, but it is a simple way to mask a message in which uh, you exchange a letter using another letter N steps above in the alphabet. So let's try with an example. If you want to use a scissor cipher with N equal to 5, okay, you will switch the the letter A with the letter A, B, C, D, E, so with the letter E, okay, and so on. And so obviously this is a really easy, easy example, but uh, it is good to catch the idea, I think.
1: So how do you see machine learning and cryptography kind of interplaying in the near future?
0: I wouldn't speak about future, but also about present because, um, uh, now, Privacy here with GDPR and um, more in general, privacy in general is uh, is crucial in data science because uh, a, a data scientist would like to use every possible data, okay? But obviously not each single data is uh, is available and is uh, privacy compliant, okay? So you need to. Um, Just to to give you an example, Um, I know about some some projects where uh, some data scientists started with um, uh, NLP models, but uh, then they had to stop their project. Because uh, the fields used by the model were protected by privacy, so they couldn't use uh, this uh, information in their model. Okay, so I think uh, uh, cryptography is an actual topic, not a uh, a topic for the for the future. You should always pay attention to uh, mask your data, to protect your data, and to understand which data can be put into your model to produce a a valuable outcome, I think.
1: what's up artists be sure to join the free open mastermind slack community by going to bit.ly.com forward slash artists of data science it's a great environment for us to talk all things data science to learn together to grow together and i'll also keep you updated on the open bi-weekly office hours that i'll be hosting for our community check out the show on instagram at the artists of data science follow us on twitter at artists of data look forward to seeing you all there Just in case anybody in the audience is not familiar with GDPR, and if you're not, you really should be, um, do you mind giving us an overview of what GDPR is?
0: Yes, let's uh, let's call it a set of rules involving uh, uh, customers' data, especially here in Europe. Uh, but this, uh, this involves also companies which are not based in Europe, but with uh, customers which are based in Europe. In few words, this is a, a set of rules uh, which aim to uh, protect customer data and to give customers the very own of their data. It's very a long, a long, long set of rules. So I, yeah, not,
1: yeah. Uh, but the general gist of it, I think, is definitely something that every uh, every aspiring data scientist, every data scientist, should be very cognizant of. And especially in, in you know, if you're going to e-commerce companies, uh, things yes. like that. Uh, Most definitely need to be well aware of that stuff. Talk to us about the genesis of Flash statistics. Talk to me about what was your inspiration for creating it?
0: This is a good question. And uh, I know it sounds maybe strange, but I really don't remember the exact moment when I got the the inspiration. Since, as in many, many other cases, I started without without a precise goal. It was like challenging myself to find a way to make statistics accessible for more people. And uh, since I like drawing, the recipe was uh, quite immediate. Okay. Drawing plus statistics. Uh, this is the genesis of flash statistics.
1: Talk to me about uh, what, what you think the mission of flash statistic is, you know, what's the one thing you want people to take with them when they come across your work?
0: if I had to compare flash statistics to a company, maybe flash statistics is like a startup. It's uh, in a starting phase. But I think flash statistics could have several goals. Generally speaking, it aims to make statistics more affordable, but it can also be something more. Uh, I believe that seeing a flash statistics episode in the LinkedIn feed can be something um, eye-catching and somehow relaxing. Because... uh, It is something so different uh, from the standard LinkedIn feed. Uh, So you can uh, just uh, sit back, relax, and watch uh, an episode.
1: When you're creating the uh, Flash Statistics episodes, I know like sometimes when you're posting stuff out there for the entire world to see, for example, like on a LinkedIn feed, uh, you might feel some internal hesitation or, you know, some type of fear. Did you feel any type of internal hesitation or fear uh, with creating the content? And if you did, how did you overcome it?
0: Well, I comprehend your, uh, the point, um, uh, but uh, not really in, for, for me, because I started without any fear, because for me, that was uh, just a game, okay? So it was quite easy, but instead, I was not sure about the spread of flash statistics, okay? I started, it was a, a game, and um, I didn't have... Some precise goals and something like that. But luckily, I met uh, Kate, Kate on LinkedIn, and uh, totally by accident I met her, and she helped me a lot because she she shared my contents. And from that moment, uh, uh, everything changed. That was absolutely the turning point. Okay, from that moment, uh, I had uh, many subscribers to the to the group, the LinkedIn group, and uh, everything uh, started
1: just go for it right not to be afraid not to be afraid to build your brand and to create content and share it you know and share while you're learning i think some people are very hesitant to post on linkedin at least i know i was i know some some people in our audience might be as well like hesitant to share something because they don't want to look stupid quote-unquote stupid i mean it's not the right word to say but i'm glad that you
0: also you are a, a an example of sharing contents in a maybe in a in a different way because now podcasts are growing but um, but i think it's essential because if uh, if you don't put contents or uh, you don't create your uh, your own brand you are uh, just one in the in the crowd it's it's a good okay, it's a good opportunity so what
1: would you say is the most challenging part for you when it comes to creating the content for flash statistics
0: probably this can sound a little bit boring but it's all a matter of time <laughs> i mean i usually take uh, some notes about uh, possible topics, uh, and um, when I decide to, to create a new episode, I just sit down uh, and uh, I look for an inspiration, and uh, this can come from uh, LinkedIn feed, YouTube videos, uh, uh, lessons learned from the past, and so on. Okay, so I, I need to to convert an idea into the into a drawing, and uh, but then. After the after the inspiration, uh, the drawing part, let's say, approximately takes between three and four hours. Okay, maybe I split it in, uh, into a couple of evenings, but and then I, I get the the results.
1: So do you have a personal favorite graphic from the archives?
0: Yes, sure. I have. Uh, I think it is the episode number 12 or something like this uh, related to correlation and causality. I, I don't know if you remember this episode, but it is about the story of baby and storks. Um, and I'm really satisfied about, uh, because of the um, the story, the concept, uh, and the drawing also, so this is my favorite uh, my favorite episode
1: do you mind sharing that story with us
0: uh, Yes, this story tells us about uh, um, there is a legend here, but I think also in the in the rest of the world uh, and this legend says that um, um, babies. Are, um, when when a baby comes to the to the world, uh, there is a, a stork arriving uh, on, um, over over the the home and uh, leaving the baby. Okay, so the stork flies in the sky and uh, brings the baby to to his uh, to, to the parents. And um, so mm, this is uh, from the, why why this legend uh, was born because. Uh, uh, in uh, especially in cold countries, um, when uh, a family uh, welcomes uh, welcomes a new baby, usually a stork comes and um, sits above his uh, above the house, um, and so people associate the stork with the baby. Obviously. This is not true, okay we, we everybody know where the baby comes from, but uh, simply this is not a causality, so this is not it is not the sork carrying the baby, but because of the presence of the baby, usually houses are uh, warm okay and uh, there is fire and there is um, a, a good um, a good situation where the sork can come and uh, have a rest, okay? Simply have a rest. And so, uh, babies are always associated with sorks, but this is just correlation and not, uh, and not causality.
1: Are you an aspiring data scientist struggling to break into the field? Well then check out dsdj.co forward slash artists to reserve your spot for a free informational webinar on how you can break into the field that's going to be filled with amazing tips that are specifically designed to help you land your first job. Check it out. Dsdj.co forward slash artists. It's <laughs> a very good example. So we talked we talked about Your personal favorite, what do you think is one of the graphics, one of the paintings that is an absolute must for all the statisticians and data scientists out there to check out?
0: Mm, Well, apart from uh, Babies and Storks, (laughs) um, if I have to choose one, I'd probably say episode 16 uh, or something like this. I remember uh, all the episodes as in a, in a puzzle. Episode 16 is the one about p-value. I really hope that the weather example explained in the episode can clarify the concept. It's uh, it's better to watch the episode, a clarifying episode.
1: Yeah, it's, that's good, yeah, because I think that is, um, at least from my perspective, it's a concept from statistics that's not really well understood what would you say is the most misunderstood concept from statistics and machine learning? And why do you think people are, are kind of confused or tripped up on that?
0: A topic which is uh, related to, to p-value, which is in general hypothesis testing, hypothesis testing, is the first thing that comes to my mind. I really don't know why, but many learners get confused about the, by this topic. And uh, I really noticed this, uh, this point.
1: Would you mind trying to kind of clarify or demystify that concept for us here?
0: Mm, Yeah, sure. Uh, Well, the subject is so large. There's many different hypothesis testing methods. uh, And uh, I think uh, uh, maybe I can clarify a point that I care most. Okay. Um, When doing hypothesis testing, um, you never accept the null hypothesis. So why because uh, the null hypothesis is um, is true is uh, the null hypothesis is true unless proven otherwise okay so it uh, it is the basis okay rather you check if there is evidence to reject the null hypothesis so when you when you make a, an hypothesis testing you take the null hypothesis and this is true and you look for evidence to reject this and if, it's not, this is not, if, if this is not the case, you don't say I accept H0, or the null hypothesis, but the correct expression is I don't have enough statistical evidence to reject the null hypothesis. That can sound uh, um, a little bit uh, tricky, but uh, it's very important because uh, the null hypothesis is something that is, true unless proven otherwise, and you need evidence to reject the hypothesis. This is an yeah. important point from statistics, I think.
1: Definitely, yeah. And I think one way students can think about it, especially if you're in the USA, uh, in the USA they have in the court system, you are innocent until proven guilty. So the same concept, right? The null hypothesis in that situation will be that the defendant is innocent unless we have sufficient evidence to claim that they are not in fact, yes,
0: exactly. I, I don't accept you are innocent, but I, don't, I do not have enough uh, evidence to to say you are not
1: innocent. That's a great point for uh, hypothesis testing. I think a lot of people don't realize, or maybe they do realize, at least in my experience, uh, people maybe don't appreciate the fact that even A-B testing is just a simplified version of of a hypothesis test, right? It's exactly exactly that. Uh, So A-B testing, yeah, it's just a hypothesis testing. And even then, when you have these hypothesis testings that you're doing, there's these really serious errors that you can commit as well, right? Type one error, type two error. So those are very important considerations to make when you're designing your experiment. I would like to get your point of view on this. Do you think it's important to learn all of the formula and equations, even though we have advanced software that does the work?
0: I don't think so, but let me explain better the the idea. Um, I, I don't like the philosophy of, okay, just take this model as a black box, push the button and see what happens, Okay. Uh, I, strongly, I strongly believe that uh, you have to know what you use, uh, so you don't need to memorize every single equation, every single formula and, and everything, but you must know the underlying idea. This is important, I think. That's, that's the point.
1: Do you have any tips or any good ways for somebody to learn the underlying idea behind what the software is doing? Uh,
0: someone can start from flash statistics <laughs> if he wants to, to learn uh, the basic. Because let's say uh, machine learning is an evolution of statistics. Okay, So I think you have to start from the basis to understand the concept, then uh, uh, watch the um, the all the available softwares libraries uh, and uh, and tools and so on obviously watch the document see the documentation uh, watch some tutorials uh, but you don't th- this is important for me you don't have to uh, to take the library push the button and see the outcome but uh, start from the documentation understand what's beyond and uh, and go ahead
1: that's yeah, an excellent point is just to look at the documentation, right? Because if you go look at the documentation, they'll also cite references and they'll cite other papers and other works that you can go look at to get a more in-depth idea of what's going on. Then also you just look at the source code and kind of see under the hood what's, what's going on. Do you consider data science and machine learning to be an art or purely hard science and why?
0: Good point. (laughs) To be honest, I hope they will be soon considered more as a science in terms of reproducibility and scalability, okay? I mean, a so-called data scientist needs to be an artist, in a sense, okay? Because, first of all, he must be uh, competent, but also creative and communicative, okay? so like an artist. However, if he doesn't follow a rigorous and scientific approach, also derived not only from science, but also from common DevOps idea, he will always work on experiments or proof of concepts instead of production pro- projects. I think in this period, data science is uh, is more an art. It's not science. It's quite strange because it is called data science, but it is not so science, and uh, it needs to become more scientific, more rigorous, more uh, with more reproducibility and scalability.
1: That's an excellent point about um, the reproducibility, and then you know being able to put the models into production. I think a lot of people, in their first starting out, learning, they're working out of out of their notebooks. They don't have much experience on the other side, putting it into production, and then monitoring and evaluating post-production. With the experience that you've had working um, you know, in industry, what are some things that we should be cognizant of? What are some things that we should be aware of when we have deployed some model into production?
0: Even before deploying a model into production, the first point that uh, a good part of data scientists needs to know is that uh, CSV is not the source of everything in the world. So, in in real context, is not always possible to extract some data and start from a CSV and uh, then put it into a notebook and uh, run and so on. So that's the first point. Second point is that um, there are, I think, a couple or three aspects with, that are important. First of all, you need to know which model, which version of your model is currently in production. Okay. And there are some tools such as MLflow or something like that, or uh, AWS SageMaker works with this, with this idea. With these tools, you, you can know which, uh, which artifact, which version of your model is currently in production. Because if you don't know which is working for you, who is working for you, 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 you can't you can understand it, okay? So maybe you, you start from version zero and then you upgrade your model, but you always need to know which version of, version of the model is in production, first point. Second point, uh, a, a, a data science project uh, is composed not only from by, by the code, but also by the data. And uh, data in a, in a, in a real company, in a real world, data are continuously changing. So you need, uh, in some uh, occasion, you need to version also your data. And there are a lot of tools uh, and uh, a lot of uh, ideas to on how to version um, the simplest one, probably is um, DVC, uh, but there are also other tools. And um, the third point, and uh, in uh, AWS SageMaker, you can, uh, you can achieve this with um, uh, CloudWatch. You need to uh, control your model. You need to have some metrics. Uh, you, obviously, the model changes during the time. So you need to monitor it and uh, to analyze the performance and maybe rework and so on. When you start a data science project, uh, it, it will never end uh, because you have to iteratively start again and uh, improve and so on. It's like uh, data science and lean manufacturing goes together. Okay, It's the concept of uh, Kaizen, Okay, continuous improvement in a model.
1: If you, if you don't mind, I'd like to dig deeper into some of these, uh, get your expertise, and and your your insight adds to this because I think a lot of our audience would definitely uh, enjoy this as well um, so we mentioned the three aspects we need to uh, version our model version our data and then have sufficient uh, Evaluation procedures in place once it's kind of released. So, can we talk about each point in turn, starting with the model versioning? Why is it that it's important to version our models?
0: Yeah, because simply um, here we are uh, we are touching again at reproducibility. Okay, uh, if I put a model in production, but I don't know which version is currently in production and I get a result how can I how can I say okay this is the expected result or not and I need to control my code such as a, a standard web application okay I need to know okay I have a repo uh with the code and now i i push my latest uh, modification and uh, now this uh this uh, this code is taken is uh compiled i can build an artifact put it uh, into production and i know okay this is a new version of my model so from now on i will get predictions from this new version okay so probably prediction from now on will be different from the prediction uh, of previous day. And so I perfectly need to know when a version of the model is in production and when these this changes. This can be quite dangerous sometimes.
1: That's the idea of concept drift, right? Like, you know, if you create a model, you put it into production, the model has some effect on some downstream behavior. So yes. that when you when you create the model initially, you were modeling some type of data generating process. And then just by the fact that you have implemented a model, you've altered that data generating process, yes, right? So yes, now, now you need to, to come up with come up with a new model to now model this new thing yes. that you've created. So then versioning data, what's the importance of of that?
0: Yes, the idea is that uh, maybe you can have a very nice model and maybe you can have a, um, a very, yes, a very good model. And uh, yes, suppose we are in the same data science team, okay, in a company, and I will try an experiment. I prepare my code and I say, okay, hey, take my code and watch, uh, watch my results, okay? Then you take my, my code, you clone the repo, and in uh, you run the experiment and then maybe you will come to me and say okay but why why you told me uh, your um, accuracy let's say was uh, 99% i ran the experiment and my, the accuracy was 80% okay it's strange the the model is the same uh, okay because also data are change is changing okay especially if you are if you don't work with csv uh, for a uh, a, a proof of concept, okay, if you work with on, on real data. So you need to control your data and to know, okay, I have this snapshot of data and uh, I will run my experiment on this snapshot and I will get some result on this snapshot uh, so my experiment can be reproduced uh, by uh, anyone else. And this is science in a sense. And that's uh, that's uh, that's the the previous point. Okay, when when a scientist uh, prepares an experiment, uh, he has to describe e- every condition. Okay, so that the experiment is reproducible. Okay, and and that's the same uh, the uh, the same concept. I think.
1: And I think in this case, that idea that is here is called the data drift, right? So that's something that that we need to be aware of. So when when we're looking at evaluation metrics and stuff like that for model post production uh, what are some that we should that our audience should go research and go learn more about
0: i think that um, monitoring a model is like uh, drawing a car with all these lights uh, that you can see in your in your car and obviously you want to know if uh, you are running out of uh, fuel and uh, if your your engine uh, gets some problems and something and so on with the model is exactly the same idea if my model is really important for my business and for uh, for my company i need to monitor it and to analyze uh, how the model drifted uh, how the score uh, changes over time because only if you measure something, you can control something. Otherwise, is, we are, again, on the, on the black box. Okay, you, you put the model in production and uh, good luck, see what happens. It's, it's really, really important, I think.
1: Yeah, thank you for that. I yeah, know we uh, went a little bit off script there, so I appreciate you sharing your insights with that. I know our audience is really going to enjoy that. So what role does being creative and curious play for being successful as a data scientist? And how can someone who is, who doesn't see themselves as creative actually become creative?
0: The answer is uh, so easy, I think. Creativity is crucial. I think there are at least two moments when it comes into play. First, the communication of results. And uh, second, the choice of the model more generally of the approach not also of the model because if you think about it uh, the set of available algorithms is uh, not infinite okay be sure that not every data scientist would choose the same the same algorithm so you need intuition and creativity all this together and if these are not uh, your characteristics, I think the best advice is uh, observe the experts. And uh, if you don't know one of them, you can uh, just scroll the LinkedIn feed, open some links, and uh, go with the flow. As we said before, LinkedIn is a is is a good opportunity because uh, you can find experts maybe it's quite uh, if you think about it we are uh, having this uh, interview and we are in so different places uh, but we can get in touch and communicate and exchange ideas and so it's it's a very good opportunity so if you if someone doesn't see them himself creative uh, it's, it's not a problem here just to watch try and repeat uh, there are lots, lots of experts on LinkedIn. It's an Eldorado of uh, knowledge.
1: Well, so, so I'm reading a book right now by somebody called Chase Jarvis. And he wrote this book, it's called The Creative Calling. And in there, he describes creativity as simply taking two old things and then putting them together in a new way. Yeah. So... How does this boil down to in in your work as a data scientist? Well, you could take, for example, a research paper, somebody's approach. You could take your problem statement, draw parallels between the two, and combine, you know, what they've done, their approach. Take elements of that, take elements from another approach, and apply it to what you're doing. And all of a sudden, you 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 don't have to reinvent something from scratch from the ground up. You do research, right? You create a new solution, right? And yes. I, for, I forgot who said this quote, but it was, uh, if you copy from one source, it's called plagiarism. But if you copy from multiple sources, it's called research. Uh, yeah, but, uh, I completely agree. <laughs> uh, So you you mentioned another couple of interesting points that I would like to touch on. Um, One of them was the fact that when we have our results, it's not strictly just from the model that we've employed. It's the result from the entire process. Right. Yes. So that that metric that we observe, it's not just because the model did the performance. It's actually a reflection of every choice you've made yes, throughout yes. the process. Right.
0: I I really like a quote. which says, I think it is from uh, Bill Walsh, which is a a football um, trainer coach, and uh, the the quote says, uh, "Focus on the process." the result takes care of itself so the point is that i, I don't have to focus on the result and say oh, i need to to push the model uh, to the top and um, but i have to uh, focus on the entire process which is what i can control obviously and uh, controlling the process probably you will get the result <laughs>
1: I 100, 110% agree with that. Uh, It's very important that you just focus on the things that, like you mentioned, are within your control and ignore everything that you have no control over. Yes, It's it's a very good recipe for a much happier life and less stress for sure, right? Yes, less
0: stress, exactly.
1: (laughs) Focus on optimizing the things that are within your control. When it comes to communication, I think, you know, a lot of data scientists are very technical, we like to kind of do heads down, work on our quantitatively rigorous stuff. Do you have any tips for, for data scientists on how to effectively communicate?
0: I understand why some data scientists uh, act, act like that, because if you, if you think about it, uh, the process of constructing a model, a good model, is very tiring in a sense, because uh, you have to take data, understand the problem, uh, uh, and try and try. It's like uh, in my case. It's like preparing a half marathon. You have a, a long journey, and then you get to the to your result. And when you get to the result, obviously you want to share with other people your journey, in a sense. So, okay, look, uh, I, I decided to use this transformation and uh i i pick this uh this model uh, and uh, and so on and so forth but you need to understand that first of all maybe the the audience can be non technical even if the audience is interested in your journey but simply uh, the audience cannot understand it and so it's, uh, it's useless your, your, your explanation is quite useless and second uh, second point the audience is more impressed about the result than the process which is not so good uh, I understand that the, we have prev- we have said the, the process is the, the important uh, the important part but obviously they are businessmen so they, they need the numbers they need the results try to clean your explanation and leave just the main points I think if you are able to describe the process without going in technical aspects, but just transmit the process, this can really help non-technical people to understand the work beyond the, the, the model, the result. They will, uh, they will be happier because they understand, okay, we have this result, but we can control it. Uh, we we have the, the entire model. We can, uh, and maybe they will get curious and... Uh, Uh, Go on Flash Statistics website, understand uh, some statistics and so on. So I think the, the best advice is start simple and describe the process, but in a, simple, in, a, in a simple way, just the main steps of the process.
1: 100% agree with that. Yeah, don't try, to confu- don't try to confuse your audience into silence so you don't have to have any questions asked, right? That's not, that's not a good oh. approach. So what would you say are some of the similarities and differences in the creative process for writing up a publication or reports, doing a data science project, or creating a flash statistics painting?
0: I don't want to say obvious differences because, uh, okay, let's say statistics and not so scientific. Uh, okay. It's, it's obviously, obviously they are different. I'd rather point out the the common feature, I think, between them. The key point is that uh, you must be able to adapt your communication style to the audience and to the context. So if you are able to adapt yourself to different targets um, it's not important uh, that you are doing a, a project research, a machine learning, a data science project, a flash statistic drawing. But if you can adapt yourself, you will be successful in, uh, in all of these three fields. I think Again, it's a, it's a matter of communicating and uh, communicating in the right way for the right target, I think. Last
1: question before we go into the lightning round. What's the one thing you want people to learn from your story?
0: The most important lessons, this lesson that, that I learned and so I want to share is that creativity makes it easier to pass both a simple and a complex concept. So adding a little bit of creativity... You can, uh, you can share, I think 99% of the concepts. Flash statistics is, uh, is an example because, uh, it deals with hard topics sometimes, but it's not, it's not a matter of appearance, creativity in how to, to communicate the, the idea. I think flash statistics goes, goes together with creativity is the, the key point.
1: So let's jump into the lightning round here. So well, what do you see Flash Statistics becoming in the next two to four years?
0: Maybe I'm quite uh, dreaming, but I see Flash Statistics as a comprehensive statistics platform. Okay. Uh, this means in an interactive place where you can learn and understand. So not uh, watch, and, but understand the statistics at a different level. Okay. I I imagine there will be a lot of Flash episodes uh, together with one or more books. I'm working on on it. And a set maybe of video lessons. I really, really hope this can help uh, people to appreciate statistics. This is the, the... the mission
1: i'm looking forward to that book man that's that's awesome <laughs> as we mentioned in our uh, introduction you love to travel what's your favorite country to travel to
0: it, it depends i really I really love italy for for example uh, during the summer sardinia i think is uh, is top uh, but uh, maybe the last uh, last country i visited is uh, Lon- I, I visited London and uh, I really, I really liked it. Uh, it's a very, it's an amazing city. I went there uh, five days for a conference. Amazing, <laughs> simply amazing.
1: <laughs> so what's the number one book, fiction, nonfiction, or both that you would recommend our audience to read and your most impactful takeaway from it?
0: I will answer with no doubt. Uh, Serve to Win by Novak Djokovic. I don't play tennis. I play tennis with my girlfriend, but I'm not a, a, an expert. <laughs> uh, but I find Novak really inspiring because, uh, because of his uh, his attitude. And um, I, I don't remember the exact words, but, uh, but his book contains a fantastic uh, sen- quote, sentence, in which he says that um, every single moment of his day is completely focused on being the first player in the world. And, um, obviously this can be applied uh, uh, to everyone's passion or interest. It's a, uh, it's a matter of dedication, uh, focusing on something, uh, focusing on your passion. And, um, this book is really full, full of inspiration. And, uh, I, I recommend it to to all the audience and especially to you. I, I don't know if you if you already if you already know it, but uh, it's uh, amazing.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. Um, like any any book that my guests recommend, I end up buying it. So my library has been full recently. So I'll definitely, <laughs> yeah, definitely will check that out. And like all these books by these athletes are really good because that mentality that they have that mindset that they have cultivated for themselves. Yeah. And there's common threads that you'll pick up. Cause I've, I've read a, f- a few books by some athletes. Um, uh, it's just that mentality that they have of excellence. Um, and yeah. that's something yeah. that we can all.
0: And uh, an important uh, aspect uh, that uh, that I, I've learned from, uh, from athletes is that um, like, uh, like a pro- if you, if you consider uh, for example, flash statistics, or your podcast, uh, you from uh, from the outside, you always see the result, okay? Uh, always uh, also you, you see Novak Djokovic. You see, okay, he's the number one player in the world. Uh, he's gifted, okay, but he's not all, all only gifted. He has a very 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 strong mentality, and also beyond the flash statistics, there is a lot of work, and beyond the podcast, there is a lot of work. And, um, and they are a very, very, very ex- um, concrete, practical example of this. And uh, they are um, amazing. Athletes are uh, really inspiring, inspired. Okay,
1: definitely, man. So if we can somehow get a magic telephone that allowed you to contact 18-year-old Marco, what would you tell him? First, you know, tell us, 18-year-old Marco, where were you? What were you up to? And what would you say to him at that
0: point? I I think I were here in Monza and I were uh, studying uh, and uh, uh nothing special unfortunately uh, but um, don't blame me but I wouldn't tell anything because um, I strongly believe that um, I strongly believe in the power of experience okay and uh, so I would let him take decisions based uh, on his uh, current situation, and uh, I don't want to cheat, <laughs> let's say. And uh, yes, I think uh, I wouldn't tell anything.
1: <laughs> All right. So if if you could put up a billboard
0: anywhere, what would it say, and why? give uh, due weight to things that's not always so easy and uh it, it's quite linked to, to what you previously previously said uh, but um, this really helps you to focus on what really matters and uh, w- without losing energy in uh, useless issues and something like that so for me my mantra let's say is a uh, give due weight to things.
1: I like that. Give due way to things. That's a good one, man. What motivates you?
0: I I think working with skilled and qualified people interested in uh, sharing knowledge this really pushes me to give my best. I I don't know if you if you if you know the the quote that says uh, you are the average of the five people you you and, uh, yeah, okay. I really like this, uh, this quote and, uh, and, and this can motivate you a lot.
1: What song do you currently have on repeat?
0: Uh, let me check your, my Spotify, <laughs> Spotify playlist. Blinding Lights by The Weekend, 80s style song.
1: Okay. <laughs> nice. Nice. So Marco, uh, how can people connect with you? Where can they find you online?
0: uh well linkedin is probably my my main platform and they can always get in touch with me they can also join the flash statistics linkedin group we are more than 3000 and so they are welcome <laughs> and uh, or also the instagram play- page Uh, Marco, or they can easily check the website flashstatistics.com That's the the center of Flash Statistics.
1: Marco, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to be on the show today. I really, really appreciate you uh, coming on and sharing your perspective and sharing your insights with everyone. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much for the, the, the opportunity and uh, uh, this, this time was really fast <laughs> and uh, really nice. Thank you very much.